All right, welcome to the Imperfectly Inspirational Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Bowman. We're so glad to have you tuning in this week. And we always like to start with just a little bit of info uh, coming up. And, you know, we're done with the book of Ephesians this week. We are going to do a few weeks of just some topical discussions. And then we're going to get back into another book of the Bible. I haven't chosen which one yet, but we are definitely going to jump back in doing the book series. And I want to encourage you, if you have any ideas, anything that you want me to cover, send us an email, imperfectlyinspirational at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, don't forget to check out our extra content on TikTok and also Facebook. But anyways, let's jump into the content. All right. So last week, we learned about marriage. We got into this deep dive and this deep understanding about marriage. Paul is continuing in chapter 6 uh, for a short part of it, uh, the continuation of some lifestyle basics. We're going to look into parenting and uh, the topic of bond servants and masters, which I'm going to put into an employee-employer type of deal. And then we're going to talk about the armor of God as Paul wraps up Ephesians chapter 6. So let's go ahead and jump in, and we're going to read the part about parents and children first, and then we'll break this down a little by little instead of reading the whole thing. So verse chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So coming off the, the whole marriage situation, Paul now goes into the whole family unit. So now we're going to get this whole understanding of really what the Christian family should look like, starting from the top of having God first and then the mother and, and, and father, how that relationship would work, and then now how this is going to work with the children. So this honor that it speaks of that the children should have, it's this attitude, this you know understanding of who they are and what... I guess what kind of type of role the, the, the parents should play in their lives. This is what the children should look. They should ultimately look up to you, right? They should have this honor and this willingness to respect you. And he says, because it's the first commandment with a promise, says, uh, I'm kind of looking at the MacArthur uh, Study Bible here, and it's very great if you've never looked at it. But anyways, it's, it says it's got a blessing for those who obey this command, and it goes out of Exodus 20 and 12, and that's where Paul is quoting. And fathers, so we get into the word um, the word fathers here. This is not necessarily dealing with fathers right off. This is the word here, fathers, can go to kind of a either singular father or fathers in a sense of referring to both parents. Kind of in the sense of in Hebrews, we're talking about Moses' parents, and that's what the term fathers is used for in that situation. But anyways, if you're looking back at a historical point, it says fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Back in those days, fathers did have the ultimate control over their children. So they could do whatever they wanted. It did not matter. And basically, it's saying, hey, you want to do what's right for your children. And basically putting this in a, a term now, parents... Do what's right for your children. That This authority doesn't mean that 
you get to give your children unreasonable dema demands and make them suffer and make them live a horrible life because that's not what God does to you. So it is the children's responsibility to honor you, but it is also our responsibility to give them something to honor. So really kind of a, a short instruction there for parents, but basically if you're following God and you're living a godly life, this should not be hard, and I think that's where Paul summarizes this so short, is because if we're living a godly life and we're following God, these things should fall into place as need be. But let's jump into verse 5 here. This is the bond servants and masters. It says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will, and as to the Lord, not to no man, knowing whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. So we're looking back in the day of, you know, the time that the book was written, the slaves were not treated good at all. Very rarely was there anything good done to a slave. So it was very important that Paul set this standard to people who were in slavery, what their idea was to do with their masters, right? And we want to look at this in a sense of the employee. So we haven't got to the employer or the masters yet. We're at the employee section. We're called to do what we signed up for. And now, of course, we know slaves didn't sign up for anything. They were kind of forced. But as an employee, you signed up for a job, do it. Don't just... And when we see in verse 6, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers. That means when you see the boss come around, you start working, and then the rest of the time when nobody is watching you, you're doing whatever you want. It is you're doing your job continuously well no matter what. You're not looking to please anybody, but you're trying to do it the best you can to serve God the best you can. And that's really the goal. Masters, verse 9, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality between him or with him. So masters, employers, treat your people with respect and understand you don't own them. There's nothing that uh, you could you should be holding things over their head and treating them badly. Treat them with respect and dignity, just like God does you, and treat them with a kind and gracious heart. That is the job. So if you're working for somebody, work well. Do your job as if you're doing it for Christ. And if you are an owner of a business or anything like that, take care of your people. Look after them. Treat them with dignity and respect and give them the grace and uh, love that Christ gave you and understanding in those situations. But now Paul moves on. We're out of the, the lifestyle, per se, essences that Paul is writing about, the different lifestyles. He's talking about now this thing is not just for one situation. This next thing in our life that he's calling us is for every day. This is every day that we should have this, and this is the armor of God. This is, uh, you know, when you read it and you get to learn about it and understand what Paul is thinking and going through, you really see this differently, and hopefully we can open up your eyes in this segment as well. So verse 10 is finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We're going to stop right there. It says, you know, be strong in the Lord 
and all of his might. This is saying that God's got the strength. You need to trust in him and understand that he is in control. Satan has some authority over the world to do the things that he does. But in the end, we know God has the ultimate power. Then we see, put on the whole armor of God. What does that mean to put on? It is, it's given this idea of permanence, that, that we want to keep this armor, this stuff that is about to be explained to us, on at all times for the rest of our lives. There is not a time that we want to take this off of us. So we may be able to do what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand against. What does that mean? Be able to still be standing when these things come our way, right? The schemes of the devil. We know that Satan has this, uh, he knows our weakness. Let's put it that way. Satan knows our weakness. He knows his way around our mindset. He knows his way around different areas of our lives to be able to work something up to make us wonder about things or to pervert our minds one way or the other. So it says, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the term wrestle here, it's, you know, hand-to-hand combat. It's uh, wrestling is trickery. It's deception. You want to make the guy think you're going to go another way, and then you you end up doing something different, right? Uh, Satan wants to trick your mind. He wants to manipulate you one way or another. So he's saying that we don't wrestle with the flesh and blood, right? We're not, our, our, our flesh and blood's not wrestled. It's our, our spirit, our soul, and we're not fighting a physical battle. This is not, we're not going out and we're not physically doing anything to anybody. This is in the spiritual realm. So we need to make sure that we understand that. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now we're seeing stand against in verse 11 there, and we're seeing withstand again in 13. We're, we're, this armor that we're supposed to put on is going to protect us. Understand that it is to help us withstand or stand against, be able to take the attacks of Satan. That is the whole point of this armor. But in 13, it says, take up the whole armor of God. Again, we have it again. The whole armor. Verse 11, he said it there. He's saying in 13, Paul is repeating this phrase to make sure it is important that we have every piece of what we need to be able to go out and take on the spiritual warfare the way we are supposed to. And it says, the end of 13 says, done all to stand firm. Standing firm is where a lot of Christians tend to fail. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation um, with anybody, and then you change your perception, or maybe you have a, a viewpoint that differs from what they originally stated, and then they tend to, well, yeah, you know, I, I really get that now. I'm going to go along with your point. That's what Paul's saying don't do. If you have a point based on biblical truth, stand firm against it. And if you have this whole armor, as he said, then you should be able to withstand anything. So, verse 14, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So, 
What are some of the things that he is talking about now? We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, or readiness given by the gospel of grace. So he's telling us to stand again, right? We got to be ready. Paul says, stand, be ready with all of this stuff. So why, why is Paul talking about armor? Now, you got to remember, this is all spiritually given to him by the Holy Spirit inspired, but Paul is also in prison. He is seeing some of the top armies in the world, well, the top army in the world, the Roman army, get ready for battle. They're in their, their uniforms there. Maybe he's seen them changing in and out of uniforms based on where he's at. He has witnessed all of this. So let's start with the belt of truth. Why do you want to have this belt on? Well, the truth gets all of the lies out of the way. When you're putting on this belt, it is taking the tunic. Back in the day, they wore tunics. So you want to take this tunic and belt it up and gird it up. So this way you're not tripping when you're going out to battle. So get all of those lies, get all of the deception out of the way by putting on this belt of truth and have that truth on your side always. Next, we want to put on this breastplate. We know the breastplate would protect you from your, you know, your your main organs, all these different areas of you that were uh, very vital, and they were typically made out of like a leather uh, or an animal horn or hoof pieces and stuff like that. It was protecting their heart because righteousness and holiness it's it's such a distinctive characteristic of God that we got to protect that. We got to be righteous. We got to have that holiness within us. And that's where that breastplate comes in, is that righteousness and that holiness. But now the shoes and the gospel of peace there, so we can have that with us. What does this mean? Uh, the Roman soldiers didn't go around in their flip-flops. They had these shoes, and they would take these metal nails and stick them through from the inside. So this way they had these uh, ultimately like cleats as they were going. It's the confidence that we have to stand firm that that peace is not necessarily peace as in like, you know, no war, no nothing like that. It's that peace knowing that you are going to heaven, peace with God, knowing that he is on your side, because you got to remember we're at war in this situation. This is the understanding of the armor of God is that we are at war spiritually with Satan. So if we have these shoes that, that give us the peace, it is to give us the, the grounding and the sure footing of understanding that God is on our side when we're going to fight this battle. So these three things we are to have on us at all times. Now next, he's given us some things that we are to take up. So as we're walking onto the battlefield, as we're entering our daily lives, we are to be dressed in our belt of truth and our breastplate of righteousness and have those Nice shoes on our feet. Next, we want to take up the shield of faith. It says, with which, this is verse 16, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, let's look at the shield of faith. It's, it's not necessarily this, that faith is protecting the person, right? But it is the fact that their obedience to God, this faith through their obedience by doing the works, that's your shield of faith, by doing the works and living your life in obedience through faith that is protecting you from saying, I can sit here and say, I believe in God all day, but it's not doing my mind much 
unless I'm living it out and actively putting it out. That's why it's saying, these are the three things now that you take up. You take up when you're going out into the world. You start doing and living by faith. That is your uh, shield of faith there. What is the helmet of salvation? We know the head is usually a major target in, in war, right? If you see somebody, their head is unprotected, you are going to do your best to go after that because you know that uh, it's going to be an easy win if you can get their head. But we see that um, Paul's reference to the helmet, if you look in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8, he refers to the helmet as the hope of salvation. It is to let us know that this helmet of salvation is not a we are saved, but is the fact that Satan is not going to get to us. Satan can, he can, you know, take away our joy in some things. He can take away certain things of this life, but Satan himself cannot take away our salvation. Satan himself cannot get us out of heaven. So we got to understand that this helmet of salvation is a an assurance to us that we go out into this world, there are things, but we are protected with the knowledge that we will go to heaven. And of course, we have the sword of the spirit. And basically, you got this two-edged, lovely sword that is going to go and attack everybody, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scripture on our side. Take that Bible with you. Take that Bible with you everywhere, because that is how you win the battles. And the next we move on, verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and also for me that all the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is ending this war, this this talk of war that we should pray. Pray. We should pray all of the time for everybody and everything, and we need to pray with detail and perseverance. And I love that Paul, you know, who has been through so much, he, he played a big contribution to so much in the Bible. He says, also pray for me. Paul's not below prayer. So prayer is such an important part, too, to our Christian life. Understand that we should be, it's not just a uh, I pray once and we're done. It's a, it's a be continuous in prayer. You don't have to pray twenty four seven. That's that's hard to do. But focus and when you when you see a need, when you see something going on, stop and pray for it. That's the important. That's the importance of prayer. And then we got the the final greetings at the end here, so so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. Uh, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to God, the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you, all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. So that is Ephesians chapter 6. That wraps up our are going through the book. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you learned a lot and that your hearts have been opened to what the Holy Spirit has to say and what the general concept of our Christian life is. It is the full understanding of what Christ did for us and that we have some expectations of how we ought to live. But ultimately, if we're 
focusing and and putting our eyes on Jesus first, these things will fall into place. The Holy Spirit will guide us, but that we do have expectations on how we should act in everyday life. And that we are to put on this armor of God and have faith and trust and an understanding of the scriptures so this way we could stand firm against the enemy and we can be productive out there for the kingdom. But folks, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. And I love each and every one of you. God bless you.